Ridiculous. Welcome to Ridiculous, an extensive look into the world of Harry Potter. I'm Samantha. I'm Julia. And I'm Robin. And we're digging deeper into a world we love to learn more about the wizarding world. Okay, there it goes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We say morning, y'all. It's seven o'clock. On a Sunday. Well, we should all be sleeping. Except Robin. She's the the exception to that rule. (laughs) Right. This past week has not been fun for Robin. I had some medical stuff I had to get situated and it threw me all off. All off on my sleeping. This week was kind of crazy for me, too. Like, something in the water or something, but oof. I have a kid's birthday party coming up, so my whole life is just like left turn, right turn. Did I turn left already? Let me turn left again. Yeah. My kid goes back to school this week. Whoop, whoop. And my niece go to, goes back. I just go to work. I don't, I just don't have any of that stuff going on. My niece goes back to school the 23rd. Except she's online school again. So I'm like, how do you get a break? Oh, <laughs> no. She's... <laughs> no let's see. It's so tomorrow, Monday. Is... Go ahead. Masking is, oh, so masking is nasty down here. It's too much. Oof. Yeah, there were, um, at my warehouse, there were two guys or one, he they refused to wear a mask, which apparently it's mandatory for everybody, but they're not wearing them. And, um, the whole warehouse and the office got shut down. Yeah. Cause they had, they had to go get, um, COVID t- tests because of one guy. Cause he refused to wear a mask. It's just that parents are kicking up such a fuss about their kids wearing masks. And so like, it's just decided that it's just safer to keep her home. So. Yeah, our district is recommending but not requiring them. Even like like my daughter's age group who can't get vaccinated yet. But but yeah, it's recommended but not required. It's just, that's wrong to me. Like we can't. Mm. Okay, on to Harry Potter. I can get on my soapbox. <laughs> okay, so we left off with chapter 10. So now we're on to chapter 11, Quidditch. And I never realized this, but they don't start the Quidditch season until November. That gives them two full months for finding team members and for practice. And I was like, man, when I was in school, like we were up on there before school started. Usually we had a game. You would have had access to like practice fields and stuff like during your summertime. Yeah, but usually our games were, like, immediately started, even if you were new to the team. I mean, it was like, I mean, it just, I mean, that's two full, I mean, I can see, like, October, but, I mean, that we're, we're hitting November. Well, and, like, I just like thought Quidditch, that was just. Quidditch isn't, like, consistently played. It's like, you have, you know, one or two games now, and then a few months later, you have another game. 
like it's like spread out throughout the right. year. Right. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Since there's only four teams that only play each other huh. so many times. And then Hermione, um, of course, is helping Harry keep up with his schoolwork due to all the practicing of Quidditch. I mean, you're right. He's that he does more practicing than actually playing of games. And then I thought it was funny that there are 700 ways to commit a foul. Isn't seven the most luckiest number? So, uh, and I, when I read it, I thought maybe I'm reading that wrong. Let me reread that. And it's like 700 even, 700 ways to commit a foul. Like they were like, all committed it? during the same, during one game. I don't remember the exact yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it in like the 1500s, I think? Yeah, something. I'm over here making all kinds of noise. And then um, they they made it a point to um, Hermione was relaxed more about breaking rules and she was much nicer. So the whole um, troll thing kind of, you know, lightened her up a little bit. So that, you know. I got. Um, well, I don't know what rules they were breaking, but I mean, <laughs> right? She was she was more relaxed about breaking rules. It was like okay. Yeah, I got. I like jotted down something about about that too, about yeah. how the school rules were bent for him to play, and it's like the Potter effect. Like, oh, it's Harry. Okay, whatever. That seems to be. <laughs> The theme throughout the books, like, oh, Harry, okay, fine, whatever. You mean the because uh, first years are usually not on on a house team, well, and first years aren't a lot of broom either. Well, he he had to put well, his broom away. I mean, he couldn't keep it in his room like everybody else. He had to put it in the broom shed. But there again, you're right. I mean, it's didn't they didn't really break it. They kind of bent it. Yeah. I think we see that a lot in the book. So, and I think we've mentioned it before, but it's just because, like, I, or I feel like it's because, like, all of these people who have been in the rules for him, like McGonagall and Dumbledore and things like that, they knew James and Lily so well. And maybe it's like kind of a sympathy sort of thing. Yeah. Looks like a little pity party. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird to say it that way, but yeah. I don't, um, I, I agree there. I mean, I think they were excited that he, you know, cause he's the hero, you know, that stopped the dark Lord. Um, and he doesn't have parents because of it. I don't think Dumbledore really showed him any pity. I think Dumbledore sh not showed him strength, but like allowed him to break or bend the rules. So he could see he was normal, but I think that I think like Flitwick and um, McGonagall, yeah, they were. And Hagrid, there was a little bit of pity in there. The more I think about Dumbledore, the more I would amend my what I say about Dumbledore. I don't think necessarily Dumbledore was a pity party. I think Dumbledore knew 
what was coming that Harry was the, the Horcrux. And so it's like, might as well let this kid live while I can, you know? Do you really think that he knew at that point that Harry had a Horcrux in him? He knew very early on, very early. I don't, I think I Dumbledore think, I think knew. It it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think Dumbledore knew. Well, some, that, one, somebody go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think Dumbledore knew that Harry would eventually have to, like, face Voldemort again, but, like, didn't know the, the, like, extent of it until, like, like, four or five, like, when he really, like, sat down and thought about the whole Horcrux thing, and he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, maybe it's just kind of knowing that, like, Harry would have to face Voldemort in some shape, you know? Do you think that Dumbledore knew Harry would face Voldemort at the end of this book? Because he knew something was up with Quirrell. He specifically asked, which we learn later, Snape to uh, look after Quirrell. Do you think Dumbledore... Well, do you think Dumbledore knew that Quirrell and Voldemort were working together? Or he had a suspicion? Or, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I think he had a, had a suspicion that something was up, but like he probably like couldn't put his finger on it until Harry puts his fingers on him and he burns up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I second that. I think it was maybe more that like <clears throat> Coral was like a normal professor before he left, and then he came back acting all you know. Bumpy. Yeah. So didn't he go to Albania? He did. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. moral of the story: don't go to Albania. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's her name disappeared there too? Uh, Bertha Jorkins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, don't go to Albania. Don't trust. And that's there. where the bloody Baron oh, killed right. the Grey Lady and himself. It was yep. in the forest of Albania because that's where she hid the diadem. I like Spoiler green. alert, sorry. I think at this point <laughs> you have it's been twenty plus years. There there is no spoiler anymore. I just yeah. watched the Big Bang Theory where they uh ruin all the spoilers for Leonard. He's like I, I he was like, I finally got back into the Harry Potter and um I'm really enjoying it and Sheldon goes, Yeah, by the way, Dumbledore dies at the end of the book. And he was like, what? What? And, and then he goes over to Penny's apartment. She's like, well, you know, it's like when um, Harry and Jenny get together. And he was like, Harry and Jenny get together. I was like, it's hysterical. Kept spoiling everything for him. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so during this time, 
Snape is like roaming around and he's in a bad mood and uh, he catches the trio outside and just to be mean to Harry, he takes his library book. He's like, you can't have that library book outside and takes it and then, and then comps them, not comps them. Um, takes five points away from Gryffindor. It's like, what the, what? I think Snape totally made that up. Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah, I mean, that's just stupid. You're outside. I mean, it's a library book. You're on the Hogwarts grounds. I mean, you can't go by the lake and um, sit under a tree and read the book. That's just stupid. I oh, Go ahead, Sam. I almost promise you he didn't make that up. Like, did y'all forget about Madame Pence? Yeah, but you can take library books out of the library. Hagrid did. Yeah, and he like, had to walk across the grounds to his house. He's it's outside. He's oh, like, come Madame, on. No, no. You can't even. Uh, no, I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm I don't think hunting. that's. I, I think that's bullshit. Oh, sorry. <gasps> Crap. <laughs> Family friendly. Sorry. <laughs> I, I th- I'm pulling. Nah, I, that's you can't take a library book outside. No, I ain't buying it. Mm-mm. Did it just to be mean? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Snape was 100% being petty. Yeah, because like Harry, a first year, is now on the Quidditch team because he broke the rules, and Snape's just like, no, like, no, we're not playing this. So I think he was just being petty. Yeah, but this leads to Harry wanting the book back and going to find Snape. And when he gets to the teacher's lounge and opens the door, because no, I mean, you knock on the door. Somebody, if you're in there, you hear a knock. You're going to say, "Come in," or "You can't come in right now," or whatever. And nobody answers him, so he opens the door and he sees Filch helping Snape, um, where his leg is bitten, and Snape says to Filch, you know, how, how are you supposed to keep, you know, an eye on all those heads at one time? So then, obviously, the w- conclusion is Snape let the troll in and was trying to get as a diversion so he could get past Fluffy to find out what, what Fluffy was guarding or whatever Fluffy was guarding to get past him to get it. False. <laughs> Do <Spoiler>. what? <laughs> it said False. Spoiler right. alert. Right. So, and then, of course, he runs back to the trio, and, you know, so they automatically are like, you know, it's all Snape. Which, I mean, you know, he he portrays that very, very well. Right. Which is one thing that Quirrell does say. Of course you would think it was him. He portrays it very, very well. When you act like that. Any more on that? On Fluffy? On Mr. Fluffy? Fluffy? Um, not about Fluffy, but like, kind of like circling back to Quidditch. Um, so I, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, so I think Harry, other, other than the fact that, you know, he, broke the school rules and now he was rewarded but i think harry is excited about quidditch because it's something that he can be good at 
Um, yeah, he didn't have to learn it. He didn't well, have to learn how to fly. He inherently. Right. And and also, too, like, he was always overshadowed by Dudley. Like, if, if Harry, you know, did, like, showed up Dudley, like, he got in trouble. And, like, and so now Harry has found something that he is genuinely good at. And now he can, like, take pride in that and bring pride back to Gryffindor. Um, you know, as like like now they have a chance to win the Quidditch Cup, since they have like an amazing player on their team now. Are you talking about Wood, amazing player? Oh, oh you mean Harry is an amazing? I mean Harry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and and like further on with 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 Harry's first Quidditch match. Um, why isn't anyone else stopping his broom? All them teachers out there watching the game and they're just watching this poor baby like dangling from the sky. I have no answer for that because that would be... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would be... Or even, like, not even the professors, like, like you know, like, seventh years, they know how to, like, do things. They're adults. Like, why couldn't they say, oh, wait, something ain't right. Let's bring him down or something. I don't know. Maybe it caught them off guard. I don't know. Like, I think we've established safety at Hogwarts is a little lacking sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Hogwarts is a security nightmare. Still a bit. So that's where, okay, so um, the game starts, and Harry is very nervous. Lee Jordan hysterically commentates the game. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, every I, I get so excited because he's so funny. And I think Luna does a really good job, too, but she's so monotone, and it's so flat, and it is funny in its own way. But Lee Jordan just, and it just upsets McGonagall so much, it just makes it even funnier. And I love when she puts stuff in there where it's funny like that, and then it's irritating to another person, and then that just makes it even funnier. I love when she has those moments within the books, because sometimes it gets so serious and it's like, oh my god! And she puts that brevity and that um, that comic relief, comic relief in there to break that up, right? So, and he keeps trying to a- ask out Angelina. <laughs> yeah. So then they're in the middle of the game, and uh, and as you had said earlier, his broom starts to buck him off, and Hermione is the only one that actually sees that Snape is staring at Harry and muttering. So she's like, he's jinxing the broom. And again, how come, and I don't know, maybe because the other teachers could only see Harry and they couldn't see down the, I mean, you know, cause Snape was with the teachers facing Harry. Maybe they couldn't, see, I don't, I don't know. But Hermione saves the day. She goes and sits Snape's robes on fire, but inadvertently actually knocks Quirrell 
um, into the row in front of him, which stops Harry because Quirrell was actually doing the jinxing and Snape was trying to save him. But nobody knew that because Hermione didn't see Quirrell. She only saw Snape. And uh, Harry catches the snitch in his mouth. Harry chokes on the snitch. And wins the game. But I also find that interesting, too. Because the snitch has, like, touch memory. Right. Like, so further on, when Harry gets the snitch from Dumbledore's will, and it, like, you know, eventually opens for him, Harry never really touched it. He swallowed it. <laughs> That's not in the movie you see him do it with his mouth. Yeah, he puts it to his mouth. Wow. To his lips. Movieisms. It, except that the movie got it right that time. Right. Not Joe. <laughs> so it's, it's been a minute since I read that. Did he did he put it to the book? Or did he put it to his mouth in the book? I think he kiss I think he kisses it in the book. I think he puts it to his lips in the book. Well, because like he like says to it like I'm about to die. Yes, but he, when he when he figures out that it has touch memory, he says to Hermione, and she goes, "Yeah." And then he puts it to his lips, and then that's when I open at the close comes up. It doesn't it doesn't when he figures out that it has touch memory is when he puts it to his lips, and then the inscription appears where it says "I open at the close," and then he's like, "Well, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean?" So he doesn't figure that until out to the end of the book. And that's when he tells it he's about to die and then the stone is revealed. And then, after, anything else? Um, I was just going to say, I also find it interesting that Voldemort chose a very public place to try to kill Harry. Well, was that Voldemort or was that Quirrell trying to appease Voldemort? Because I don't think at that moment Voldemort was actually with Quirrell. He doesn't actually, because Quirrell says later, um, I, I didn't have him with me all the time. So was he I with think, him then I, or was it later? I think he was with him when he came to Hogwarts. Like what? Because Harry and Hagrid meet him in, in Diagon Alley. Yes, and but I don't think he was actually attached to him. I think he was. I think he's been attached to him since Albania, because he said something about having to share a body with him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just the way he, just the way that at the, he 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 was like, at one point he he was he's with me all the time. It seemed like it was later on. Of course, we'll get to that point later. But There's a, a specific quote from Hagrid. I'm pretty sure about that. Let me see if I can locate it. Yeah. That, like, yeah. I, cause I, actually, I was just thinking that, but like, I couldn't remember like the exact line about it. Because um, um, Harry uh, Hagrid does make a remark to Harry when they're in Diagon Alley. Yep. 
You guys, I would pull up my illustrated copy, and now I just want to sit here and look at the pictures. <laughs> but yeah, like something about like he's not right that one or something. Okay, but, let me see. Hang on, I'm at the part. Uh, okay, so he says, told you you was famous. Even Professor Coral was trembling to meet you. Mind you, he's usually trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh, yeah, poor bloke. Brilliant mind. He was fine before. He was fine while he was studying out of books. But then he took a year off to get some firsthand experience. They say he met vampires in the Black Forest. And there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never been the same since. Scared of the students, scared of his own subject. Now, where's my umbrella? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, like he's had he's had Voldemort this whole time, but, but and I I think too Voldemort was weaker. Like back in July, like we're now in November, and he's you know gaining strength. Yeah. I think. I took it as like Voldemort is kind of he's kind of like the essence of Voldemort and that's what is in Quarrel. Does that make sense? And like that essence is growing stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then the game's over. They've won and uh, the tree are with Hagrid and he um, inadvertently tells them about Fluffy and how he bought him off of a Greek chappy in the pub last year. Not an Irish chappy, but a Greek chappy. Obviously, it's a three-headed dog, so it's represented of Cerberus. Therefore, a Greek chappy makes more sense than a stupid Irish chappy that they pull off in the uh, movie. I mean, why would you change that? That's just stupid. I don't... Sometimes things they change it's like why that's the dumbest why would you change that it's a three-headed dog there may be and a three-headed dog in irish, irish lore, though but she, my that thought. has nothing to do with how she said it in the i mean she had it laid out in the book i mean that's just dumb uh, whatever i you know it, it it's an irritant obviously but <sighs> and then of course he let slip about Nicholas Flamel, which they're like, oh, who's Nicholas Flamel? Shouldn't have said that. Should not have said that. It's a common theme with Hagrid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dumbledore puts a lot of trust into him, and he does do a lot of things for Dumbledore. But... Oh. Then he lets stuff slip a little bit that he shouldn't. Anything else about the Quidditch game or that chapter? Uh, nothing. Okay. So, side note okay. on the Greek chappy Irish fellow. So, it actually says uh, Steve Clove, the screen film writer, stated that he originally used Greek chappy but did not know how the line got changed. So, 
Oh, well, that's prob. Then that would probably be um, the actor. It changed it. Hmm. But I, I mean, wonder maybe, what the screenplay maybe. says, though. You know, know, like, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Okay, chapter 12. The Mirror of Erised. Oh, excuse me. Christmas is coming. Christmas. And so are the school holidays and break. Malfoy tried to bully Harry about how he caught the snitch, but nobody was like, they, don't, they didn't care. They were like, dude, that was really awesome. Shut up. They just didn't care. They just ignored him. And um, everybody was like, he was like going to be thrown off that broom, and he stayed on that broom. So Malfoy gave up on that and just went back to harassing Harry about his home life. Because he had, he had nothing else to, you know, bullies, you know, if one thing doesn't work, then they just go back to the old standard. And it's irritating. And then um, Malfoy was taunting Ron and how he got caught by Snape and got in trouble. And Malfoy got away with his bullying again. And that was when they were out in the hallway where they were decorating and he was like taunting Ron about his home life and Ron was going to kick his butt, which he deserves it, and Snape caught him. And then the trio, including Hermione, let's go to the library. We need to look up Nicholas Flamel and they couldn't find him. They looked everywhere. They did it as the hall. Oh, sorry. And I was just going to say that I find that very odd that there's no books anywhere about Nicholas Flamel in the library. Considering- there are, but it's in Hermione's room. Okay. <laughs> there are books, or he's at least in one book in right. her room. Just like briefly mentioned, even like even though him and Dumbledore were like BFFs, I'm they- surprised. I'm surprised they didn't go. What's her name? To the librarian? Madame Pence. Yeah, can we not? Or is there, do you not have like a card catalog or Dewey Decimal System where you can look up a name? Right. I mean, it's a library. I mean, you know. Did y'all know Nicholas Lamel was a real person? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Making sure y'all knew that. Tidbit for those who didn't, Nicholas Flamel was a real person, and he was a French scribe. He lived in the 1300s, roughly, I think. If I'm wrong, please tell me. I can turn anything into history, guys. (laughs) There is a, a book series, and I can't remember the name of it, about Nicholas Flamel. And it's based on the real history and then part of coming off of Potter. And these children meet him and help him. And I can't remember the name of it. And I read the first book and then I don't even think I got to the end of it. But it was a knockoff of like Harry Potter. 
I can't remember. But it's based off of the real Nicholas Flamel and then what's in Harry Potter. It was kind of interesting, but then I kind of, you know, I didn't finish it. So, um, the holidays start, and Ron starts to teach Harry wizard chess, which I find absolutely freaking fascinating. And if my chess set would do that, I'd play it. Or they beat each other up. That is so cool. Oh, <laughs> I could sit there and watch a, a chess piece go over and knock another chess piece out with their chair. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I would I would probably enjoy that. There'd be a lot of cussing from me. Yeah. <laughs> um Christmas morning, Harry gets presents which he wasn't expecting any presents at all. And Ron knew, Ron like intuitively knew that he wasn't, I don't know if they talked about it or, but Ron was like, you know, Harry was like, Oh my, I have presents. And Ron was like, yeah. And he was like, that's from my mom. That one right there. Cause I told her you weren't expecting any presents. So Hagrid, he got, you know, a present from Hagrid and Hermione. I assume he got one from Ron. He doesn't mention it in the book, but I assume he does. One from Mrs. Weasley, and he even gets a 50 pence piece from the Dursleys. And then he gets a part. Do what? I I was going to say, that's horrible. He's 11 years old, and this is the first time he's getting Christmas presents? Yeah. That's. We didn't get birthday presents either. Right. But like, oh, here, here's a quarter. (laughs) Right. And then he get, uh, then he got the parcel from no one, the invisibility cloak. I love when he puts it on and he goes, "My body's gone," <laughs> and he hits that. He hits that the puberty. Oh, in the movie. It is yeah. in the movie. <laughs> I love that. So he got presents from a lot of people. Actually, a lot of people. More than probably, yeah, and then his entire life. Except when he was a little baby. Yeah, but he don't remember that. Right, well. Then they had a huge Christmas dinner. There were, I love this part, there were real wizard crackers. And, um, I I didn't know what a cracker was. We went over to a friend's house. Um, and her parents, um, they were like, we have, they were like, we have real English crackers for after dinner. And I was like, what the hell is an English cracker? I mean, I thought it was like a Ritz, a fancy Ritz or something. (laughs) I know. I didn't know. So then they pulled out these like little things that you like pop and, you know, it makes like a bang sound, you know? And I was like. What is that? They're like, they're crackers and there's a prize inside, which was a stupid paper hat folded up real little. I was like, this is, it was weird. And then of course, when they were like in the book, then I knew what it was, a real wizard cracker. And I was like, dude, he got a, he got a chess set from a cracker. And like Dumbledore got a funny hat. Yeah. And some of them had mice in them. I mean, dang, man. I was impressed. You talk about a real wizard cracker. I wanted to take that and be like, look, this is a real wizard cracker. 
not that little cracker y'all gave us at your house. But those, you to, like, those are muggle crackers. So, like, they can't be magically enchanted to be bigger, you know? Girl, well, I don't want, I don't want a muggle cracker. I want the real wizard cracker. You never know what you could get in there. You might get a dog or something. You could get a I mean, dang. <laughs> a whole chess set. That's. <laughs> I love it. So then after their bellies were full and they had their chess sets and Mrs. Norris ran off to eat some of the white mice, Harry decides to use the cloak to take a walk about the castle. So he goes to the library to look up Flamel in the restricted section, which leads to books shrieking at him, which leads to Filch coming to look. Harry makes his way into an unused classroom with a mirror after he dodges Filch and Quirrell and Snape. Which is funny that it's in this book, in that, in that, um, when uh, Jim Dale is talking about the conversation between Quirrell and Snape, he actually calls him Snipe. I was like, Snipe? Every time he says it, I, it throws me for a loop. I'm like, what? But he meant to say Snape. And they didn't catch it, or I don't know, they were like, screw it, we're going on. <clears throat> and there's a huge mirror, and it has an inscription carved around the top. Era said, Straw, Ihura, Oit, Ube, Kafru, Oit, On, Woshi, or something. So, I wrote it backwards. I show not your face, but your heart's desire. I sure did. That's exactly what it say. Backwards. Because it's a mirror. Go and ahead. within that mirror... Huh? No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. And within that mirror, he sees his family. All of his family. Not just his mom and his dad, but all of his family. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, all the way back. And even an uncle that had knobbly knees, just like he did. Well, I assume that was a grandfather. Oh, do you? I also. I do, yeah. I also find it very interesting that Harry is so disconnected from his family that he barely recognizes them until he starts seeing, like, little pieces of him in in right them. within them. Yeah, well, he doesn't but... have any pictures. He doesn't have any reference. Yeah. I mean, if you walked into a room and there were just a bunch of people standing there that you had never met and you had no idea who they were, I mean, you'd be like, who are you? And that's 100% the fault of the Dursleys. But Oh, it, definitely. I mean, yes. So, but the Dursleys wouldn't have had access to, like, Harry's side of, or to James's side of things. But, like, I agree it's the, their fault on, like, the behalf of Lily's family, but Right, like, they would have at least like had a picture of Lily, or like yeah. Why why are there no pictures of Petunia's parents? Like she didn't hate her parents. Well, I know she was kind of like I don't know, like salty is the first word that comes to mind. But like she was kind of like upset with them because 
like they were all excited about Lily. Like, oh, there, there's there's a witch in the family. Like, oh, you know, good old Lily. So I don't know if, if like that created a little bit of bad blood between her and her parents. But yeah, like the only pictures in the um Thursday's home are of Dudley. Yeah. I don't know. I mean I got I don't know. I think I may just like sympathize with Petunia just a little bit on the family front, right? Because it's like she perceives something as to be wrong to her and harmful to like her family in some way. Like of course she's gonna separate. So like I don't like Petunia in any way, shape or form, but we also don't have enough backstory about the family. Right. So um, after he sees his family and he spends some time staring at them, as most people do in the mirror of said, he goes back and he gets Ron and brings Ron with him. And all Ron can see is he is the best of all of his brothers because Ron feels he was a throw off. He should have been a girl and he wasn't. So, you know, he's, you know, he's the runt of the brothers. Yeah. So he doesn't have anything to offer. Yeah. He like, he, his desire is to have himself, you know, rise above his family just so he can be seen. Right. Because he doesn't like corned beef and that's what his mother makes him. And he doesn't like maroon and that's what she makes her, his sweater. And the question is, does he tell her this or does he just, this is what he doesn't like and she doesn't know any better. And he's like, well, why should I tell her? Because she's got all these other children that she's looking after. Will she even hear me? So, you know. Ron is half Hufflepuff. 100%. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think he would have told her. I don't either. No. It's like it's like, it's like when he becomes prefect and she was like, "Okay, so what what do you want? You know, you you're now a prefect." And he was like, "Uh, can I have a br-? like he he asked it so timidly, "Can I have a broom?" And she's like, "Uh, I think we can swing it." And he's like, uh. "I mean, he just he was so scared to ask her that." Right. And um, it was like, she was like, tell me what you want and I will get it. You're a prefect. You've earned it. Right. And then like, at least at the, at, at this moment in time, there's nothing that separates Ron. Like just by himself. Right. Like Bill, Bill and Charlie, you know, are graduated. They have good jobs. Um, Percy's a prefect. He's getting ready to graduate. Fred and George are Fred and George. Fred and George. Right. That's the only way to describe it. You can't, there's nothing they, else yeah, to do, but can't. that's, they're Fred and George. That's just it. Then Fred there's Ron, who's just kind of like basic. And then there's Ginny, the only girl. So like, there's nothing that kind of sets Ron apart from his siblings. His it, bad attitude. Yeah. Well, I think, I think too, like, I think Ron has a, like a serious case of like middle child syndrome. 
even though I'm the oldest. Yes. Yes. I'm so much an older child. Like, I can't sympathize. Like, I just... Ron's my least favorite of the Golden Trio. I... I find Ron funny, informative, and he gets screwed in the movies because he actually gives more information in, within the books right, than they give the him only credit wizard. in the movies. Because yeah. he knows information that the others don't know. Right. Yeah, I'll never I'll never like discount that Ron is a valuable character. He just and they kind of rubs me wrong sometimes. Even in the books. Like, I do well, agree. He's a more valuable character in the books than he is in the movies. Anything else about this chapter? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I know there's a conversation with Dumbledore, but... Um... My a question popped in my head when I was reading um, about the mirror of Irised. Like, did Dumbledore purposely like put that out because he knew Harry was gonna like go explore? Like, I feel like like Dumbledore accidentally did it on purpose. Well, I don't doubt that at all. So, what do you think the purpose would be though for him to have done that? You know, to Uh, give. To give one to see what Harry's desire would be. I mean, if he walked in there and his desire was to, um, that it was selfishness in whatever he saw versus he saw his family. He's longing for his family. He's longing to belong to his family, right. to be there with them. That's a big difference than him walking in to be the big hero that takes down the Dark Lord. You know what I'm saying? There's no arrogance within Harry. Right. And that's that mirror is the perfect way to see that without actually asking a person that question. So that makes sense. But so like, but given like what we know to Harry at this point, like, I guess, I don't know, I guess if I were Dumbledore, like, I would just have assumed, like, he would have, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this, this is just going to take some more thought on my behalf, go ahead. Um, but yep, and, and I also find it interesting that, that Dumbledore, you know, sets this up, and then, like, snatches it away, like, okay, you had your fill, I'm taking it now. We didn't need... He didn't need to. He didn't need that mirror anymore. Yeah, you know, supposedly for because Harry's he was going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. Right. But and like, he like says Harry to couldn't Harry, actually, like, there are talk to nobody. Been, like he could only see them. Right, but people get caught up in that and can't walk away from it. Yeah. Yeah, he said people have wasted away in front of the mirror. In front of the mirror, yeah. So if you take away that temptation, then you're not going to go looking for it. But if he'd have just left it there, Harry might have gone back. 
night after night after night after night. And that's going to make you sink down into a bad, bad depression. And it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do anybody any good. So I have like kind of a fun little question. Just like on a superficial level, if you looked in the mirror, what would you see right now? Me, it would be me eating some breakfast and drinking some Oreo iced coffee. <laughs> right. I would be driving my Challenger. I don't really know. Other than eating some breakfast because it's now like what? Eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surviving on water currently. Yeah, me too. I, I drank all my water and I can't get up to go get any more. <laughs> we'll excuse you if you want more. Water is vital. That's fine. I drink so much water all day. Mm -hmm. See, now, now I need my kid to be awake so I can have her go get me some. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm too bad she much. can't drive. She could go get you like Dunkin' Donuts or something. Ooh. Um, I may just take myself uptown when we're done here. Uh, I don't want to put clothes on. Oh, I just go through the drive-thru. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, I totally I mean, have like like place so like, placed like a, a Walmart pickup order and shown up in my PJs. Like no bra, no nothing. Just yeah, yeah. Pop the trunk. If you're not getting out of the car. Who cares? Nobody's gonna know. So who cares? Okay, so anything else with that chapter? Um, I think we're good. Okay. So chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel. Nightmares, Quidditch practice, rain, and now Snape was going to be refereeing the game against Hufflepuff, which um, Harry was uh, advised to break his leg so he didn't have to play. <laughs> play. What, what sound advice that is? Break a leg, literally. Pretend to, oh, really pretend to break your leg. Really break your leg. <laughs> like pretend, just do it. So I thought, I thought that was funny. There again, you know, Ron's like, Shh, just break it. I mean, pretend, just break it. Unfortunately, you do have uh, Madame Pomfrey, and she'd be like, not problem. I fix it right up. She can so, some but I assume that even though she can mend bones in an instant, there's still some residual after that to where it hurts a bit. Maybe. Because sometimes, you know, Harry be getting in trouble and they've mended him all up. He's still got bandages and all and stuff. So, you know, maybe superficial wounds, they don't really heal quickly or something. But anyway. And then um, uh, Neville shows up uh, in the leg locker curse because of stupid Malfoy, the bully. And Hermione fixes him. And Ron tells Neville, you need to stand up for yourself. And Harry gives Neville a chocolate uh, frog card. And Neville's like, oh, thanks. Here, do you want this Dumbledore, Dumbledore card? Because you, you collect them. And Harry was like, dude, Nicholas Flamel. That's where I read it before on the Dumbledore card. So Hermione's like, dude, there's a book in my room. 
and she goes and gets it. Of course, which she checked out. Room. <laughs> right, and she checked it out for a bit of light reading. And on page two thirty six, uh, Nicholas Flamel is listed, and he is the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone, or actually the Philosopher's Stone, if we want to get technical. And that's what the dog is guarding. Any comments on that? Nope. Nope. So then we go, uh, since they figured that out, um, they kind of leave that, not really worry about that anymore. So then they go to the Quidditch match and everyone shows up to watch. Everyone. Ron and Hermione have already practiced the leg, not the leg locker curse, but the, no, the leg locker curse, sorry, loco, locomotor mortis. And they are ready to stop Snape with it. And guess what? Dumbledore showed up too. So with Dumbledore being there, um, it's a little bit more protection for Harry, and everybody knew it. And of course, Malfoy again is being a bully, and at this point, Ron, just from the nerves of worrying about Harry and all that was going on with the Quidditch, and what Snape was going to do, he lost it. He couldn't take it anymore, and he just jumped on Malfoy. Good for Ron. And then Neville was like, dude, I'm getting in there too. He jumped right in legs fists flailing and <laughs> during the whole thing harry caught the snitch so they're over there fighting and not paying attention and harry wins the game and dumbledore in the end congratulated harry i i also find it funny that they're like muggle fighting yeah, yeah there's like they're not like wizard uh dueling ron just jumps on <laughs> Malfoy just start punching. I think this is one of my favorite like Neville moments just because it's the first time like you're like oh okay that's why you're in Gryffindor and now right because he's like he like sees Ron he's like no nah, I'm getting in there too buddy I'm coming don't you worry I'm gonna come too and I you know they don't really give like I mean I wish I had a visual of you know Neville did he get hit and is he bleeding or is he unscathed and he got some, you know, hits in. I would hope that he's, cause they don't really go into that. So I would assume that he's not too, he's not bleeding a lot. Hopefully he's not bleeding at all. And Snape kind of shows his butt in this as well, because, you know, he spits on the ground because Dumbledore's there. So you, you, you kind of have to take that, oh, now he's he was going to get Harry as the referee, and then Dumbledore showed up, and here again, he's playing into that role of the bad guy, so to speak. And then, so after the game, Harry is taking his broom back to the shed, and he sees Snape um, and Quirrell going off into... Uh, the dark forest and he decides I'm going to eavesdrop. So he gets on his broom and he flies ahead or flies above and he hears Snape 
and Quirrell talking, and he assumes Snape is threatening Quirrell to find out what his bit of hocus pocus is guarding uh, the uh, the stone. Hocus pocus. And then, of course, he runs back and tells the trio, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Snape is." And so, that's the end of that chapter. Hocus pocus. <laughs> Isn't that what he says? Which, isn't that what he says? What's your bit of hocus pocus? I just think it's funny. Like hocus. Why? Po- because of the hocus pocus movie. The Sanderson sisters talk about hocus pocus and <laughs> book about magic. Yeah, I think I want. I think it's maybe it's supposed to be like kind of a. Oh, what's the word I'm looking at? Um, like a dab, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah. I'm over here, like, doing Girl Scout stuff on on top of looking back and forth in my notes. <laughs> Yeah, he goes, um, you know, perfectly what he goes, you don't want me for your enemy, Quirrell, said Snape, taking a step forward him. I don't know what you mean. You know perfectly well what I mean, and Al hooted loudly, and Harry nearly fell out of the tree. He steadied himself in time to hear Snape say, your little bit of hocus pocus. I'm waiting. And without us knowing it, I think that's like the first time that like we see Snape defending Harry. Yes. Yeah. That's why he volunteered to be referee. Just to make sure Harry was okay. You've grown to care for the boy, haven't you? Him? Yeah. Actually, so I, speaking off of that, like, I read a very interesting fan fiction one time where Snape raised Harry. It was very good. I think you and I talked about that one time, I think. We may have. I think we did. Okay, so that's the end of those chapters, and then we'll come back for chapters 14, 15, and 16 in our next episode. Anything to add, ladies? I I think I'm good. Yeah, I think so. All right. So be sure to join our Facebook page, Ridiculous Podcast and Ridiculous Podcast group. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram at RidiculousPod. You can follow Sam on Instagram at... Samantha underscore foot. Oh, eight. That's foot with an E. F-O-O-T-E. Zero eight. Footy. Yeah, footy. You can follow me on Instagram at RunningMyPup. And then you can follow Julia... At JStJohn0422, which I still need to work on fixing that. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> also be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. And then we'll be back next week to go through chapters 14, 15, and 16. Uh, she said next week. I It will not be next well, week. Uh, next time. Next Let me time. rephrase that. Next time. Yeah, because it might not be next week. Don't get excited. We, right. we still hadn't. We're getting there, but we still hadn't got to, you know, just so next time. Sorry. Thank you for listening. We hope you come back for more Potter. We do not need magic to transform the world. We carry all the power we need inside ourselves already. J.K. Rowling. Go be freaking kind. And wash Go your be hands. freaking kind. And wash, and wash your hands. Yeah. And wear a mask. Or at least stay six feet away from people. Still wear your mask. Okay, guys. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.